Forgiveness was purchased, was bought with the precious love of Jesus Christ. Here in 1808, Franz Joseph Hayden, the great composer, was an elderly man. And he was at a, a performance, a concert of his great concerto in 1808, his great concerto, uh, The Creation. And when it came to the portion, after the portion was done, uh, it was centered around an apex of, and let there be light. We see that, that the crowd turned and gave, and gave just this uproarious applause uh, to Franz Joseph Hayden, turned to him, in fact, made sure that, they, that he knew that the applause was for him. And this elderly man, summoning all of his strength, stood to his feet, a hush over the crowd, and he said, no, no, not to me, but to him. From heaven comes all. You see, that's the essence of what we're talking about today. In the second week of our missions month, declare his glory from Psalms 96, that all of our life is to be giving glory unto him. And as we see here, as we'll walk through this passage of Psalms 96, verses 1 through 3, as we take a special focus upon missions this month, that that is the essence not only of what our life is to be, but the essence of creation and the crown jewel of creation, mankind, that we are to turn all glory and honor in worship unto our Creator. Psalms 96, verses 1 through 3 says this, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. And in fact, some of this passage, some of the selections of this passage was used by David at a, or at, at, at Solomon, rather, at the dedication of the temple. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among who? The nations. His wonders among all peoples. You know, week to week, I usually like to give some sort of a main idea statement, if you will. And today, I could really do no better myself than just giving one of the most famous quotes from one of our most famous contemporary writers on mission, which is John Piper. And one of his famous statements, I think, very perfectly frames exactly what we're looking at today, and it's this. Missions exist because worship does not. Missions exist because worship does not. Very famous quote by John Piper. And you see the idea is that we were created, all of mankind were created to worship our creator. And when we see this picture, and as we see also, we're going to look at Revelation chapter 5, a verse from that in just a few moments as well, we see that all of history is heading towards that eternal state when we are gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ in heaven, crying out worship unto our Lord. And so he said, missions exist because worship does not. What a perfect uh, uh, capture of the main idea of this passage. And so the very first thing that we see here in verse 1 is to do that, worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Now, here's the first thing that we have to realize is that singing and song is a great gift and a privilege we've been given as Christians 
uh, and, and as, as a way to worship the Lord, but singing that we do in a place like this or in the car or in the shower, depending upon how good the quality is, it doesn't matter. We guys sing praise and worship unto the Lord and thank goodness unto him. It is a sweet song because if you hear me sing, it's not always a sweet song. Somehow I figure out how to sing about three different keys in one song in any given song. I don't know how I do it, but I figure out how to do it. So we obviously, in the midst of this passage, there is emphasis on song and singing. But here's the thing. Music, music is simply an outpouring of our lives lived in worship. Remember a couple of months ago, as we walk through, as we do annually, uh, we walk through our vision for our church and what is our mission about. And we talk about values. And one of those values is what we call lifestyle worship that we draw from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let your mind not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And verse 2 so, says that you may offer up your bodies, and that, of course, by bodies, by extension, entirety of our lives, you may offer up your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God, that is your spiritual act of worship. And so the entirety of our lives, when we walk out of this place, metaphorically, the entirety of our lives are to be lived in worship unto the Lord. And we come together here, gathered together in song, whether it be in our worship service here or in our individual departments, or maybe just on the way to church, listening in your car. Some of that singing and song pours out of a life lived in worship. And so Revelation 5, 9, and Revelation 5 and 7, but especially in 5, we see this picture, the fulfillment of this prophecy that we see in Psalm chapter 96, of which we're looking at today. We see the fulfillment of this prophecy in Revelation chapter 5. And as you see this picture of tribes and tongues from all over the globe gathered before the throne of Jesus Christ, people who've been saved and washed in the blood of the land, and it says they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, speaking of Jesus Christ, pictured as that lamb, and open its seals, for you were slain. Jesus Christ on the cross, and have redeemed us, bought us out of the slave market of sin. That's what redeemed means, has redeemed us to God by your very blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. A foreshadowing of what we will see in the eternal state of heaven in the new Jerusalem gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ. And guess what? We've been given not only the responsibility, but it's far more than that. It is a privilege of being ones that gather that crowd around the throne of Jesus Christ because he has created us as feeble as we may think we are to be ambassadors of that good news of the gospel. But, you know, sometimes selfishly, we ask the question, why does this matter to me now? You know, I always kind of hesitate to, to answer questions like these because I think it almost perpetuates the notion that I need to figure out what's in it for me. I always hate to do that, but let us answer the question anyway. Why does this matter to me now? Well, you know, we hear the old statement, you've heard it many times before, that someone can be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Well, really the biblical truth is this that you can be so earthly-minded that you are simply no good. That's really the biblical truth. The only problem with that old statement that we've heard before, the only problem with it is it's not biblical at all. Really, in fact, God tells us, 
that we are to lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And when we look at nothing else, if we look at nothing else other than the book of Proverbs, if we have our mind focused on laying up treasure in heaven and we have our mind on, on doing things God's way, it's amazing how all the other things in life that we fret over and worry over just fall into place. It doesn't mean that life is problem-free and trouble-free if we have our mind on laying up treasure in heaven. It doesn't mean that it's problem-free, but what it means is that God is at work in our lives, even when it's difficult, to work it all out for our good. But are you also, when you say, what does it matter to me? Are you the object of your own worship? Isaiah 42, 8, God is very clear. He says, I am Yahweh, the I am that I am. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. You know, a biblical theme that we often highlight in here is Ezekiel chapter 14, uh, emphasis of idols of the heart. You know, idolatry isn't just the, the bowing down to wooden images. It's anything that takes place number one in your life and takes that in place of God. Guess what? We can, only, we can also be our own idol. We absolutely can sit on the throne of our lives and we can be focused on number one above everyone else, even those closest to us. So why does this matter to me? Worship of the Lord. Focus your life on the Lord. Why does that matter to me? Are we the object of our own worship? That's the first thing that we have to see. And we're thinking about being on mission with the Lord, that we might see that all the earth might declare the glory of the Lord. We must, first of all, say, are we the object of our own worship or is God the object of our worship? He says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth, all the earth. The wonderful thing, the sobering truth, the wonderful thing is the gospel in the midst of this sobering truth. That all of mankind, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter how full our lives might be, the, might be of the accoutrements of life and the, and, and, the, and the things of life and the possessions of life, it doesn't matter what state we find ourselves in. It doesn't matter whether we're here or the other side of the globe. We all share that sort of hellbound, rudderless nature of the self-worshipping life that is all shared by humanity. And again, John Piper says this, all of history... In the midst of that, what are we to do? We are to be ones that are on mission for the gospel because of this. He says, all of history is moving towards that one great goal, the white hot worship of God and his son among all the peoples of the earth. Missions is not that goal. I love how he makes this distinction. It is the means. And for that, it's the second greatest human activity in the world. The first is the worship of God, declaring his glory. And so missions exist. Because worship does not. So worship the Lord. Proclaim, number two, proclaim the good news we see in verse two. It says this, sing to the Lord. Again, bless his name. What do we do? Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Proclaim his name. Bless his name. Philippians chapter two, verse 10, in that great Christological passage says, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth. Philippians chapter 2, 10, again, picturing exactly what we see in Revelation chapter 5 of every tribe and tongue gathered around the throne of Jesus Christ. Bless his name at the name of Jesus. But at the name of Jesus, God the Son, 
What did God the Father do? God the Father did not keep his son unto himself, but he gave, he sent his son that those gathered around the throne might be saved. Speak about the missionary heart. Boy, that talks about the missionary heart of the incarnational nature of Jesus Christ himself. The great missionary David Livingston says this, God had only one son and what did he do? He made him a missionary. God had only one son. And what did he do? He made him a missionary. So in that mindset and in that spirit, what are we called to do? We're called to bless the name of Jesus Christ. And we're called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Towards the end of this sermon, just as we did last week, we gave you a little preview with a video. We're going to give you a portion where we do, even right here, a little bit of training and walking through. How can I, if you've never been trained, if you've never figured out how do I share the gospel in a good, simple, powerful way, we're going to do that very thing at the end of this service. And as we walk through that, if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, would you listen intently to what we say, the truth of the gospel, and that you too might give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we're called to proclaim his name, proclaim the good news. We proclaim all sorts of things. We proclaim our love in, in a particular TV show or a movie that we've seen, a particular a sports team, or maybe it's a, a certain artist. We are quick to proclaim those things that, that our lives are, are, are wrapped up in. Do we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Do we proclaim his name? Are we like... Hudson Taylor, that great missionary, again, to China and the China Inland Mission, where he said this, if I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all for China. This great missionary to the China Inland Mission, fascinating biography, many biographies out there. Read one of those. Let me challenge you to do that. What a fascinating biography. But he said, if I had a thousand lives, I'd give them all for China. He'd give them all for those people of whom he's called to. We are all called the people of the world. We are called as a church. We are called as individuals. We are called to people on the other end of the, 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 the globe and the four corners of the earth, and we're called to reach those and be missionaries to right in the place where God has called you. Proclaim the good news. Number three, we're called to declare his glory. Proclaim the good news, and number three says declare his, his glory where? Just right here? No, in the state of Kansas? No, not simply that, not simply in the nation of the United States, but we are to declare his glory here to the nations, to the ends of the earth, and everywhere in between. His glory. What are we to declare? His glory, his goodness. Glory in the Bible speaks of a holiness, a heaviness, a weightiness. Now, I have a really interesting way of illustrating this and almost the opposite side. One time back in 2008, Allie and I had an opportunity to visit some friends and, and take, lead some youth on a mission trip to Thailand, where we had good friends that were serving on the mission field in Thailand. And we experienced one time as, as sort of sightseeing and then also prayer walking, uh, we went to a, a, a very grand Buddhist temple. And it was really interesting when we were there and really powerful when we were there, and very disheartening when we were there. I'm so glad we were there prayer walking. In that, I'm not given, I'm not one to give into great mysticism, if you will, and Christian mysticism. I, I kind of do that as a level set and a disclaimer for what I'm about to say. But I absolutely do believe, as the Bible teaches, in spiritual warfare. But when we were there prayer walking in that grand Buddhist temple, it was almost like you could feel a heaviness, a heaviness, 
a weightiness because of the, the spiritual oppression and the lostness that was there. So in almost an opposite way of illustrating this, this concept of the glory of God and this sort of positive weightiness and heaviness of the very goodness of God, that's what we see in the glory of God. And so the nations of the earth, we must declare the good news of the gospel and the glory of God. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims the work of his hands. You see, we are doing the very weighty work. When we proclaim the gospel and when we declare the glory of God, we are doing the very weighty work of the entirety of the heavens. You say, I'm not good enough. Gosh, I'm not good enough to do this. You see, we're not simply in the company when we go and when we proclaim the good news of the gospel abroad or even in your place of work, everywhere in between. We're not simply in the company of good preachers of old. We are in the great company, the incredible company of the very heavens when we declare the glory of God. But you say, I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. You know, I want to do something, but I don't have what it takes. Let me tell you no truer words have ever been spoken when it talks about sharing the gospel and being on mission. If God were to call you to the mission field is just put one foot in front of the other. Hudson Taylor, another great missionary of days gone by, says God uses men who are weak and feeble. Why? Because they're weak and feeble enough to lean on him. God loves to use weak and feeble men. He did it with the inner 12 of Jesus Christ. These are not ones that you'd pick out of a lineup. These were kind of the ragtag bunch, the outcasts of society, and Jesus Christ chose them. God uses men who are weak and feeble enough to what? To lean on him. So we're to declare his glory and to declare it where? Among the nations. Among the nations, all ethne, all ethne, people groups. So even in the midst of these geopolitical boundaries that are represented by these flags that we see here, we see people groups. And we're called to go to these people groups to support missions through organizations like the IMB and the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. And we're called to go, to send, to pray, and to go to among all the nations, all ethne, all ethne. We're to declare his glory among the nations, and we are to declare his wonders among all peoples. You see, we're in a world that craves wonders. In just the mundane of life, and again, no matter our socioeconomic status, no matter where what country we find ourselves in, no matter if we're just kind of scraping through and just trying to get a day-to-day, there's something about humanity, there's something about human nature that just craves and is thrilled by wonders. So when we take the good news of the gospel, whether it be abroad or whether it be right around the street corner, We are taking, we are proclaiming, we are going, we're proclaiming, and we are going in the very miracles and wonders of God. And God is not one who has ceased doing wonders, ceased opening doors, ceased doing miracles. There's a great story from the 1950s of a pleasure boat that that President Eisenhower had commissioned to give as a gift to the, the Soviet premier Nikita Khrushchev. But for whatever reason, the trip was canceled. We know there's great tension in those times. The trip was canceled, and so this great pleasure boat was mothballed. Well, wouldn't you know, God in his great wisdom, how he opens doors in his foresight and his sovereignty. There was a mission organization that had a great calling to Ethiopia. Ethiopia at the time 
in the certain portion of Ethiopia that they needed to get to, you could only get up into this certain portion of Ethiopia after the rainy season. And even then, you were still navigating some of these waterways and sometimes inches of water. So a standard boat just would not do. Well, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? God opened the door with this same pleasure boat that was mothballed. Guess what? It used a new technology, jet propulsion technology. And so it could, it could navigate waterways in very short, very shallow depths of water. And this mission organization, God opened the door that they got this boat for pennies on the dollar. God never ceases opening doors. God never ceases with his wonders. So we not only, we proclaim the miracles of old and we embark on his miracles anew. When you take the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth, whether it be in a mission project, maybe the Lord even now is working in your lives to call you to the mission field, call you long-term to the mission field. Or maybe God is calling you right around the corner to that neighbor that you know. We go in his miracles anew. And you say, Pastor, you know, I, I do have that heart, but I need to know how do I do this? How, how do I start? Where do I start in sharing the good news of the gospel? The first thing is look for very simple ways to be missional. One thing I'm going to do for you here is uh, we're going to post later today on our social media accounts, we're going to post a list of ideas, very simple ways to be missional. But you want a very simple yet powerful way to share the gospel. We're going to walk you through uh, one way to do that right now. Last week, we looked at a video We're going to walk through here today and tomorrow, and next week what we're going to do when you leave is we're going to give you one of these little booklets just like this that walks you through exactly what we're going to talk about today. Very simple training. You can also go, if you'd like to, Life Conversation Guide, three circles. You can search that on the App Store, either one, whether whether you have an Android or an Apple device, and you can get the app as well, even today. But we're going to walk through not only today, but next week as well, some very simple way to train to share the gospel. See, the first thing that we look at is that God created everything. Take a look at the first slide here. God's design. We see in Genesis chapter 1 that God in his perfection created the world perfectly as well. He said that it was good. And the crown jewel of his creation, that's humanity, that's us, was good as well. So we say, well, what in the world happened? Well, what happened was sin. You see, sin entered the world. And that's when we, the sin entering the world, sin is... It is the missing of the mark of who God is, his holiness, and his character. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 tells us that. And the wages of sin is death. That's what he also tells us. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23. And because of sin entering the world, we see brokenness all over our world. You know, we don't have to look at too many headlines. We don't have to read very deeply in the news feed of the day. We only have to look even into our own lives to realize the truth of this brokenness. There's great brokenness because of sin in our lives and sin of humanity. And so we see this great brokenness of the world. And so you'd say to me, Pastor, that doesn't sound like very good news yet. Well, the good news is right here in the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, the fullness of Romans 6.23, the full verse there says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's solution to brokenness 
was sending Jesus Christ, his son, to die on the cross, that if we are to believe, repent and believe, that we too might be saved. So that's the next thing that we see. Repent and believe. You say, okay, how do I receive this gift? How do I receive this gift? And when you speak to someone, they'll inevitably say or be thinking, well, okay, how do I take this gift? I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven when I die. And I want a promise of the abundant life that Jesus gives. So I need to try to be the best person I can, right? So from here on out, I need to be the best person I possibly can. And so maybe at the end of my life, God will say that's good. No, not at all. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. So it's not by works. So you say again, well, okay, if, it's, if I can't earn it, then what do I do? Well, Jesus himself said in Mark 1.15, repent and believe. Repent and believe. So he says, repent and believe in the good news of the gospel. Now, belief here, repent means that we turn from our old way of life and turn towards Jesus Christ. Belief doesn't mean we just have this sort of mental assent. We say, well, yeah, I can kind of figure out that that's true, or I can kind of wrap my mind around it. It means when we truly believe in something, we put our whole lives behind it, don't we? We put our whole lives behind it, and we trust it by faith. And you say, we turn from our old way of life, repent, and we turn towards Jesus Christ as the one who saves me, the only one who can save me from my sin, and also as my Lord, the one who has control of my life, the one who takes the keys of my life. And when we give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, we see here that last era, we recover and we pursue exactly what we were created for. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, of course, tells us that we can't earn our salvation. It's by grace. It's by a gift of God. But the verse 10, Ephesians 2, 10 says, guess what? We were created. We were created unto good works. We are created then to pursue God again. Now, not trying to do it on our own, but because our relationship has absolutely changed. And when we share the good news of the gospel with someone, we also need to come to this next, let's take a look at this next screen. So the person might ask you, what do you do? What should I do? You know, they might say, my life is broken. I recognize it's because of my sin and say, Jesus, I need you. You can talk to him in words just like these. Talk to him in words just like these. And so you can also lead the person to say, I believe Christ came to live, die, and was raised from the dead to rescue me from my sin. You can also lead the person that you might be leading in the gospel again to say, forgive me. I turn from my selfish ways and I put my trust in you. And I know that Jesus is Lord of all and I follow him. And right down here at the bottom, you may not be able to see it. It says, if you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you have an opportunity to share the gospel with, some, with someone as we just walked through today, come to that point where you tell them, what about you? Would you like to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? And you can walk them through simple statements like that. So this is not a matter of if they get the words just right. It's not a matter if they get the turn of phrase just right. It's a matter of expressing what's in their heart. You see, folks, when we reclaim his miracles of old and of chief among those, the miracles of the good news of the gospel, we walk and we embark in his miracles anew. Will you join me? Will you join the Lord on mission, sharing the good news of the gospel? Let's pray. Lord God, we just... Uh,
pray that as you help us and you guide us, Lord, help us to take our eyes off of our own lives. Help us to look out among the harvest, see those around us. God, help us to be so heavenly minded that we are of the greatest earthly good, that our eyes and our mind are focused upon eternity and storing up treasures in heaven, and that we're looking and we're searching for those in our lives that desperately need the good news, the gospel. And Lord, would you go with us as we lead them, as we lead them. And Lord, would you rescue them? Would you save them? Would you forgive them? In the name of Jesus, we do pray.